Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Have you found 2 Corinthians chapter 5? I didn't tell you, but you've probably found verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We've been talking about this now for, I think this might be the third or fourth Sunday. And it says when a person is in Christ, that means he becomes born again, that there is a creative act that takes place and that person is recreated, becomes a brand new person. And we also found out by this verse that when that happened, that everything concerning the old life passed away. It says right here, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, what does it mean to behold? What does the word behold mean? It, it means to look, pay attention to. All things have become new. Essentially, that's what the interpretation of tongues was this morning. Stop looking at things pertaining to the old and start looking to the all things that have been made new. Behold them. Behold them. Look at them, amen. Let me just stop and say this. This happened, uh, this happened last week and, and it happens every now and then and I thought about it last week and I thought about it this morning. Some of you that might be a little bit newer, when tongues and interpretation uh, happen in a service, sometimes you'll notice that there might be a real short uh, utterance in tongues and then a real long interpretation or there might be a, a real long utterance in tongues and a real short interpretation and if you don't know about these things, you'd wonder, well, well why is that? Always remember, it's the gift of the interpretation of tongues. It's interpretation, it's not translation. There's a difference in translation. Translation is a word for word restating of what's been said. It is not the gift of translation. It is the gift of interpretation and the interpretation gives the sense of what has been said. And so you could have a short utterance in tongues and a longer interpretation or vice versa, whatever the spirit, uh, it prompts someone to, to give to interpret what's been said. So if you're new to us and you have that question, there you understand it, praise the Lord, amen. And uh, it goes on to say here, behold, all things have become new. Well, we need to focus on the new, not the old. We need to talk about the new, not the old. We need to relate to the new, not the old. The biggest challenge for Christians is to learn to relate to the new and stop relating to the old, even if you've related to the old all of your life. Because we all remember the old. When we were born again, the inward man was born again, but the but the outward man was not born again. The mind wasn't born again. And you still remember, you still feel, you still have attitudes if you don't make them line up with the word of God. And that's a, that's a process of growing and maturing in Christ, renewing your mind. But those old ways of thinking and old memories and old ways that you relate to the world and the circumstances around you, those things will want to continue to dominate you 
but you have to behold all things have been made new, amen, and begin to relate to those things. So we've been talking about some of the things uh, concerning this new life. And so let's give you some, some new creation realities. Go with me to 1 John chapter five. 1 John chapter five. Hallelujah. Verse number one says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. How many of you here believe that Jesus is the Christ? How many of you, by raising your hand, would, would agree that this is not just an intellectual uh, uh, persuasion you have, but you've believed in your heart yes. that he is not just the Christ, but he is your Lord and Savior. You've, fought, you've made a decision to forsake all and follow him, and he is your Lord and Savior. That's what it's talking about. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now that may be a simple sounding thing and something that you would say, well, everybody knows that, but everybody doesn't live like they know it. Most Christians will give testimony to it with their mouth, but then they deny it with their actions because they act like they're born into another family. When I didn't get as many amens there. Amen. Whoever is born again, he says, it says right here, is born of God. You, you ought to just let that settle in for a minute. You, you know when, you're, when you were born into a natural family, you grew up with the identity of that family. You, you grew up with the family name, isn't that right? If your daddy's name was Anderson, if your mama's name was Anderson, then your name was Anderson. If your daddy's name was Smith and your mama's name was Smith, your name was Smith, isn't that way? Isn't that, isn't that the way it goes? Yeah, as a child, you identified with that family. If you're out someplace, a little kid, and you get separated, you start looking for your family. Where's my family? Where's it? And you get all nervous. You look around, you see all these faces. They're not my family. You're looking for your family. You identify with your family. Why? Because you were born into that family, you belong in that family, and you are the child of those parents. You belong to them. You're born of them. You look like them. You talk like them. When my boys got a little older and after their voice changed, you know, people say, they call on the phone, and who is this? Is this, is, this, is this Edwin? Is this Steve? Who is this? Is Greg? Is this Greg? And they all sounded like me. We ought to sound like God. We're born of God. Sons of God, whoever. Glory to God that believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Go back to the, uh, go back to the third chapter. Same book. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Oh, hallelujah. I, I tell you what, this doesn't, this, this resonates in a deep place on the inside of me when I consider the fact that I am God's child and he is my very own father. He is my very own father. Oh, hallelujah. He's my very own father. It's real to me that he's my father and I'm his child. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, the world does not know us 
because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Oh, hallelujah. We are children of God. Let's, let's, let's let that sink in. That we're not like, the, the reason the world doesn't understand you is because they don't understand him and they're not born of him. They're not in the same family we're in. We're in a, we're in a family not only of one another, we have, we, we have a, a heritage that's in heaven. We're of God. He goes on to say here in this chapter, Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We talked about this last week. The next few verses, we won't go into this this morning, uh, about sin. We, we spent some time on that, didn't we? Let me just say this, backing up a little bit and just recap a little bit we talked about last week. I made the point that if someone is born of God, according to this scripture, he cannot persist in a present tense continued lifestyle of sin. He went on to say, it's right here, you can look at the verses. He cannot continue in sin because he's born of God and the seed of God, the life of God is in him. Now that doesn't mean that he might not continue to commit sin, but because the life of God is in him, he can't do it without it bothering him. And every time a Christian sins, his heart is grieved and he wants to, and he wants to run to God and say, God, help me. I, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to do, I don't want to commit these acts again. I don't want to act like this again. I'm looking for you to help me, to restore me, to bless me, to strengthen me. Everyone who is of God goes through that process. The person who says that he can sin and, it's, and, and the Bible calls it sin and he says it's not sin. I can live this way and it's okay. God's okay with it. That person has either never been saved or he's, or he's, he's very close to becoming a reprobate. We, the, the pastoral staff, we're, we're familiar with a minister, a minister friend of ours and his son has worked for him in the ministry, grown adult son, has worked for him in the ministry for a number of years, traveled on, his, on this other minister's behalf. He's got a large ministry organization. His son has traveled the world representing this friend of ours who's the head of this ministry. And recently he uh, went to his parents and said, I'm homosexual. And this friend of ours, you know, uh, tried to talk with him and uh, you know, you can imagine the whole process. But, uh, uh, you know, of course, this, this friend of mine, he says, listen, son, he said, no, nothing you ever do will ever make me stop loving you. You are my son. I will always fellowship with you. I will always love you. I will help you. I'll do anything in the world for you, but I cannot condone your lifestyle. Well, his son got angry and left. And now he, on, on Facebook, he is a part of a, uh, so-called homosexual Christian community. And it's a community of people who are homosexuals, but they believe that it's okay and they twist every scripture. 
deny the obvious teachings of scripture and what God says is sin, they say is not sin. And they twist those scriptures and you, you sit here in the pew and you wonder, how in the world could you even do that? The scripture is so clear. When you have a reprobate mind, you'll twist things. And this man who has been in the ministry, no doubt he has struggled with these feelings for a long time. And see, if you're in, you're in Christ, your flesh may have things that it needs to deal that it that it deals with that your spirit man needs to take authority over. Just having a desire in the flesh is not sin. I don't care what it is. Some people say, "Well, I, oh, homosexuality, I would never do anything like that. That's just terrible." Well, that's because you've never been tempted that way. It's easy for you to say. Yeah, it is, it is terrible to you. you. You think it's disgusting. But what about the things you do get tripped up in? How good do you do, how good are you resisting the areas where you, where you have a problem? Are you any better than some other people who get tripped up in that area? No, you're not. We knew a guy one time used to come to this church and as a young guy, young fellow, he used to steal stuff. I mean, if anything, if money came, came up missing in a department, we know where to go because there was this young kid in the church and, and he would just steal stuff. He'd just steal stuff and we, we'd catch him, you know. Well, he got older and, and he didn't deal with this and, and he started breaking into people's houses, went to jail and then went to prison, you know, and a couple of times. And he just like had, he had this compulsion. Now, you know, you and I, you drive down the street. You, do you think about, I wonder if anybody's home there. Yeah, it looks like a nice house. I wonder if anybody's home. I slip around the back and just check, check see if the door. You, you don't think that way, do you? So well, I just I just can't understand why somebody would just do that. It's that just terrible. Yeah, because you're not tempted like that. Again, what are you tempted in? What about that big old waggy tongue? You know that you gossip about everybody in the church. You talk about the pastor all the time, huh? You know you shouldn't be doing that, but you do it. If you had a tendency to steal, you'd be doing that too. If you don't do any better in controlling yourself, I, what I'm saying is the flesh will rise up and just because other people are, are tempted in these perverted areas doesn't mean they have to yield to them. But here you have a person in a community that says we're gonna live in this lifestyle and we're gonna celebrate it and call ourselves Christians. Well, it's one of two things. This person has actually never actually been born again or he's on the path of rejecting Christ. Now, so now you say, well, you know, how can that be? Jesus said that the day is coming when people will say to him, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name and have we not done that in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Amen. Paul talks about people who say they know him, but by works they deny him. Your works speak loudly. And so a person like that is, is in danger of actually losing his salvation. Paul, you know, he, he wrote to the church at Corinth. And he said, there's a man in your church 
who is in gross sin and it's even the kind of sin that Gentiles don't even get involved in. And he said, the church is celebrating it. He said, you should be mourning. There's a man in the church that's taken his, his father's wife, his stepmother, away from his father and is living with her in, in open sin. He said, even Gentiles have more sense than that. Did Paul say that? Did he talk about this? You've read 1 Corinthians. He said to the church, he said, rather than mourning about it, rather than being sorrowful as a church and dealing with it, you're puffed up about it. You're puffed up. You're saying, you're saying we're enlightened and everybody can do their own thing and God loves you no matter what and it's okay. Well, we're the enlightened church. We've got, you know, we put up with things like this. You can come to our church because we're not all rules and regulations oriented. We're not judgmental. You can come to our church at Corinth. We're not judgmental. Paul said you ought to have mourned that this wicked one be taken away. And then what did he tell them? He said, when you are gathered together with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and my spirit, he said, I'll be there with you in spirit, but with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I want you to turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why? That the spirit might be saved. See, there's, a, there's a, a danger when someone persists in known sin. Now, I'm not talking about repeated failings. Like I've said many times, I'll work with somebody and, and help them pray with them, counsel with them, extend grace to them. And I, I don't care how many times they keep stumbling over the same thing. I won't give up on them. I'll be there for them. They've got to, they've got to, to, to take some, some steps to, to show me that they're being responsible and accountable, but I'm gonna work with you. I don't care if it's a 10,000 times. That's not what I'm talking about. Someone who's, who wants to do right. And if, and if God's seed, if his life is really in you, I don't care how many times you go down, you're gonna come back and say, God, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna do right. I'm gonna get it right. But when you get to that place where you say black is white and white is black and wrong is right and right is wrong and the Bible doesn't mean what it says and I'm gonna live an ungodly lifestyle and God's gonna accept me anyway and it's okay with me and it's okay with him, that's a dangerous situation. How in the world did I get off on that? Amen. Well, that's what these verses are talking about. That's how I got off on it. Whoever commits sin is of the devil. I said, whoever continually commits sin, whoever as a lifestyle, agreeing with their actions, in, intentionally with no remorse and no sense of wrong, just as a, as a, 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 a predetermined premeditated, I'm gonna do it and I don't care what God thinks or what the Bible thinks. He's not of God, he's of the devil. There's a lot of people today in churches singing hymns and singing songs and they've never had a new birth experience. They've been lied to. They've been told you can come any old way and just, just make this confession of faith and then everything you do is okay. It's not okay. I said, it's not okay. When I came back to the Lord, I put away sinful things. That doesn't mean I became perfect overnight, but I had a perfect determination overnight. 
I was, when I came back to Christ, I made a decision. I'm going to live for God and I'm putting sin behind me. Well, praise the Lord. Whoever has been born of God, verse nine, does not continually live in sin. We, we say, well, you're adding that. Well, you'd have to be here last week. That's really what it's saying. For a seed remains in him and he cannot continue, present tense, continued action in sin because he has been born of God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it's, it's good to know we're, we're children of God. Well, what does that mean that you're a child of God? What's the implication there? Hallelujah. Go with me to 2 Corinthians again. 2 Corinthians 5 again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Now not everything in your neighborhoods of God. <laughs> not everything where you work is of God. He's talking about all these new things. All things have become new. You, you think the all things in the end of verse 17 be the same as the all things of first, of verse, first part of verse 18? Yeah, it'd be the same all things, wouldn't it? Now all things that, are, that have become new are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now we are his ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. When you, when you became a child of God and you received the life of God, eternal life in his nature, you, were, you became the righteousness of God. It, it's, he could have said that we might become righteous and that would have been enough. But he said that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of sin, without any consciousness of sin, no condemnation, no sense of inferiority. Now, now you understand what I mean by inferiority. We're not God and we're not equal to God. I'm not saying that. In a sense, yes, we are inferior to God because he's God. <laughs> and Doyle here is a little less than God. Me too, isn't that right? You, you are a little less than God too, right? So we're not God. So in that sense, we're, in, we're, we're inferior to him. But when I'm talking about inferiority, I'm talking about that inferiority complex that makes you feel like you don't measure up, that you're all tongue-tied in God's presence. You know, you stumble around and you feel unworthy and you feel like you're out of place and you don't belong. That righteousness eliminates all of that. It's the ability to stand in God's presence as a child looking up into his father's eyes. Amen. Glory to God. Knowing that the father has his, his interests, knowing that if he falls down, his father will pick him up, knowing if he has a need, his father will take care of it, knowing that if there's any questions he has, his father has the answer. That's what a child does. He just looks up in his father's eyes and just knows I'm secure because I'm born of him. He's my father. Glory to God. 
And I have, I have, the, I have the privilege of coming into, into his presence. Oh, hallelujah. I remember when I was a, a kid when John Kennedy was president. And uh, they, they published in the newspapers pictures of, of, of little John, you know, his son when he was a child. And they showed pictures of President Kennedy, you know, in, in the Oval Office sitting behind his desk. And the desk had, a, had an open area, you know, in the, in the middle of it in the front. And John, little John, would be playing in that little area in front of the desk and under the desk. And here you have the head of the United States with all of the important people gathered around him conducting the, you know, the, the business, uh, uh, the, the affairs of the nation of the world. And here's this little kid playing at his feet. All he knew was this is my daddy. This is my papa's, well, this is where my papa works. And I get to go to work with him and I get to hang out with him. Glory to God. There was no sense, little John didn't have a sense of, of how important things were in that room, what was going on. He didn't have a sense, you know, I shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be hearing these things, you know. These people are more, more powerful and I'm just a little kid. He didn't have that sense. That's what I'm talking about. Our, our right standing with God gives us the ability to go to God in time of need and know that whatever we ask, he'll give. Go over to First Peter. Go to uh, go to chapter three, verse number twelve. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to those to their prayers. See, a, a person who understands his right standing with God, a person who understands that he's been put in right standing, that he is the righteousness of God, he just knows when he prays, God's gonna answer him. Because right here, it says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God, God has an ear for your voice. Whenever you call out to God, like the song says today, when I call on him, something happens. Why? Because his ear is ever open to your prayers. And it's not just open in the sense, oh, isn't that cute? I just love to hear him pray. No. It says the effective fervent prayer in a few verses, a few pages back in chapter James, uh, uh, five of, chapter, uh, of the book of James says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Oh, glory to God. See, whenever you know who you are, you pray with absolute confidence. You're not hoping it's not, you know, just to throw in a, 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 a dart at a dartboard and hoping it hits, you know, somewhere close to center. Whenever, whenever you pray, you know God's gonna hear you because he said he would answer your prayer. Glory to God. Call upon me and I will answer you, he said, and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. You know, there's a lot we don't know and he's still showing us. Glory to God. Why? Because his ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. Hallelujah. Not only does it give you that confidence in prayer, there's a boldness that comes into your life. When you know that you're in right standing with God, you can face anything. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs says that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I tell you what, the, bold as a lion. You know, the enemy will try to imitate a lion. Yeah, he comes 
as a roaring lion. He'll roar and make all kind of fuss, but one person, a person who knows he's the righteousness of God, he knows in right, he's in right standing, he'll roar right back at him. Yeah, praise God. Bold as a lie. I'm, I did, you're not putting that stuff on me. You're not, you're not feeding me those lies anymore. I know better. A person who's, who's, who knows his, he's in right standing with God will stand up in the face of the devil. Stand up. Stand his ground. Oh, glory to God. A person who understands his right standing with God doesn't run. The wicked flee, but the righteous do not flee. We don't flee from threats. We don't flee from fear. We don't flee from discouragement. We don't flee from sickness. We don't flee from bad reports. We don't flee from, from anything the enemy tries to be. No, sir, I'm not fleeing, he's fleeing. There's somebody fleeing, all right, but it's not me. He said, resist the devil in your boldness, in your confidence of who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. Stand your ground and the enemy will flee from you. Hallelujah. Now, the enemy's a little hard-headed sometimes because he's, he, he, he's, he's not sometimes convinced you really believe what you believe. And it might be because of your history. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Maybe in the past you've, you've resisted for two or three minutes and then you ran. And, and, and he'll want to see how long you'll take your stand. But I tell you, God, what, what? Once, you, once you make up your mind that I am not going to receive the package the enemy is trying to deliver me. I'm just not gonna receive it. I know better and it's not based, based on me and it's not based on my conduct and it's not based on what I've done. It's based on him, his conduct and what he's done. I'm talking about the Lord. It's based on what the Lord has done and I am not going to accept this package of sin. I'm not gonna take this package of, 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 of ungodliness. I'm not gonna take this package of sickness. I'm not gonna take this package of inability, of lack of discouragement of defeat or anything else I'm not taking I'm standing my ground amen I was telling Gene Stonecker yesterday on the phone I told him the story of when uh, Pastor Greg worked Pastor Greg and Miss Amy worked for uh, Pastor Bruce and Cindy Black in Jacksonville when they started their church in Jacksonville and uh, Pastor Greg called me one night and and uh, Bruce uh, was diabetic, very seriously diabetic, and he had a, a sore on his foot that he'd had a long, long time. And it wouldn't heal and just, you know, was just a mess. And uh, Pastor Greg called me one night and said, Dad, uh, Pastor Bruce is in the hospital and, uh, you know, he, they want to take his foot off. Of course, they'd been telling him that for a while. And he just said, I'm not having that. You're not taking my foot, I'm healed. Well, it had gotten worse and worse and he was in the hospital and the doctor's Pastor Greg said, they think he's dying. They've told him that they don't know that they can save him now. It's gone so far. They don't know the poison has spread. Uh, it's in, he's in a critical situation. So I felt impressed to go over there just to, you know, to stand with them. And when I got there, uh, Cindy, Pastor Cindy was in the hall. Now, the room going into the surgery suite was like at the end of a hallway. And there was a door that you had to you know, have a pass to get. It was a surgical suite. You, know, you couldn't just go in there. And the waiting room really wasn't a room. It was like the hall was wide there. 
And on one side of the door was a couple of chairs and a table, and on the other side of the door was a couple of chairs and a table. And it was just part of the hallway. It was just a wide hallway, and that was the waiting room. And Pastor uh, uh, Cindy was there, and she and it was either hers, her mom or his mom. I don't remember whose his mom was there. And uh, they were praying in the spirit, you know, and just walking around praying in the spirit. And, uh, and so I got there, and, and the doctor, you know, had come out in just a few minutes before I got there and again said, you know, we're losing him. You know, the doctors, when they clean up and come out, you know, that's not a good sign. And they say we're, that, that means they've really given up or else they'd still be in there. And uh, so the doctor came out and said, you know, we're, we're, we're doing all we can just to let you know it's, it doesn't look good. And uh, so I walked up and, I, and, and we prayed for a few minutes and the Lord impressed me. We, we, we have to change something. If something's gonna change, we're gonna have to change something. I said, here's, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna praise God and we're gonna laugh at the devil like we mean it. We believe Bruce is healed and he's not losing his foot and we're gonna laugh at the lies of the devil and we're gonna praise God. There's no sense in praying anymore, praying in tongues. What is that all about? You know, there's a place for that, but we've already prayed. We've already claimed the answer. Now's the time to praise God. And so we're in this hallway, nurses and I guess doctors, staff coming in and out, you know, and out loud on our feet, unashamed, didn't care. I mean, our brother's in there and, and, and he's, got, he's depending on somebody to, to stand in faith with him. So we didn't care what anybody thought. They probably thought we were crazy. I really, I really never even noticed what they looked, how they looked when they walked by because we weren't paying any attention to them. And we just lifted our hands, ha, 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 glory to God, praise the Lord, ha, 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 glory to God. Devil, you're a liar, oh, glory to God. I mean, just that loud, the three of us. Now, people might have thought we were crazy, but we knew exactly what we were doing. We were not, we were the most sane people in that area, I can tell you that. And we did this for a while. And every time they'd kind of want to settle down, ah, ha, ha, ha. now, did I, I'm kind of, this is kind of comical this morning. I've got a little bit of laugh in me. There wasn't any laugh in us that day. It was like this, ha, 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 ha. We didn't feel like laughing. We didn't feel a laugh coming on. There was no Holy Ghost laugh. We were just laughing at the devil because we were determined that we were the, we were the righteousness of God and we were bold as a lion. And we did that for about an hour. I'm talking about without stopping to catch, except to catch our breath. Ha, 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 glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's healed. You're bringing him out. He's not losing his foot. Thank you, Lord, for cleaning up all that infection. He'll live and not die. Ah, devil, you're a liar. Ha, ha, ha. And the three of us out loud. Finally, the doctor came out and he said, he's turned the corner. He said, we, 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 might, we might be able to save him. We didn't even, we didn't go, oh, goody, goody. Did you hear that good report? We didn't even pay any attention to it because our faith wasn't based on what that doctor said. We just acted like, well, thank you, doc. Go back and, you know, carry on. <laughs> and, and we just carried on ourselves, just thanking God. And you know the result. How many years ago was that? He still has his foot, praise God. He came out of that, was delivered from that because people would not take no for an answer. It, Pastor Bruce went in there by faith. He went in it believing God. His wife stood with him believing God. His mother stood there believing God. And I'm telling you, if you'll be bold as a lie. But you see, you're not gonna be that bold if you're under condemnation. 
If you feel like you don't measure up, if you feel like, you know, God's not really happy with you and you, you know, you're kind of, uh, 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 you know, you kind of want to come into his presence, you know, with your head held, uh, hung down and kind of shy and sheepish, you know, because you know that you've not been a good boy. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, if you have something in your life, you need to confess that and, and get it taken care of. But you have to understand that God never forsakes his own. I said he never forsakes his own who come to him in faith and obedience. He never, he never, never, never forsakes his own. Glory to God. That's part of the new creation realities. Hallelujah. I heard somebody this morning on TV making this comment, but I had it in my notes before I heard it this morning. There's a saying that, that uh, you hear in the church. I've heard it and you have too probably all your life. People say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And you've heard that. Yeah, you know, we're all sinners. You know, we're just, we're sinners, but we're saved by grace. When you were saved by grace, you no longer were a sinner. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but you got saved by grace. Now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Every one of the epistles, if you go back and look at them, nearly every one of them talk about the saints who are in Christ Jesus in this city and that city and the other place to the saints who are in Corinth. Well, he wasn't just talking about Sister Holiness and Brother, you know, Brother Wonderful. He was talking about the whole church. And they had things going wrong in their church. He had to correct them about it, didn't he? Didn't he? That, that's the epistle where he, where he corrected them and said, you've got this man in your church that's in sin and, you're, and, you're, and you should have mourned. You should have been concerned about it. You should have been making supplication about it and not been all prideful. Even though they were wrong, he started his chapter, the book out by saying, and the saints who are in Corinth. Glory to God. See, we are set apart, sanctified. When you were born again, there was the washing of regeneration and sanctification of the truth. You were set apart for God. Oh, hallelujah. So you're no longer a sinner saved by grace. See that people, people try to, uh, they pretend they're being humble when they talk like that. Well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace so that people won't think they're putting on airs, you know. You don't need to talk that way. You're not a, you're not a sinner saved by grace. Now, you, you might sin every now and then, but you're not a sinner. There was a time, I don't do it anymore, but there was a time when we were younger, I used to do uh, uh, minor tune-ups on my car. I could change the points, spark plugs, the condenser, uh, set the timing, and even adjusted the, the top valves. And that was, that I could do all that. I had a simple car. It was a Volkswagen Beetle. And, and you, could do, you could set the timing with a, with a, a little pin light attach it to the ground and touch it here and, and turn the flywheel till you got it till the light went out and it was in timing. That was all there was to it. Even though I could do those things, how many even know those are mechanical things? But I'll assure you by no stretch of the imagination was I a mechanic. <laughs> even though I could do some mechanical things, I was not a mechanic. You would not want to bring your car to me because <laughs> that was the sum total. And I, and I, I changed some brake pads. And I think that was about it. So you might sin occasionally as a Christian, 
But God's seed remains in you and and you're not free to do that. Something bothers you on the inside and it compels you to get it right with God. So you're not a sinner. You're not by nature a sinner. Amen. You're the righteousness of God and you have boldness of access. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help. Even when, you, even when you need mercy, you don't come into the throne room backwards. Kind of tiptoeing in backwards, you know, with your head down. Oh, God, don't, don't hurt me. Don't slap me. I know I don't belong here. Come boldly before the throne of grace to receive both mercy and grace to help in time of need. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you, it's better than we know. It's better than we know. Glory to God. Amen. Will I stand up? Praise the Lord. Jesebra monto sikimada. Zelebre kebiste kreebe sokun sakahai shabodeste kina. Gevra basonga andele kite yo soko oshte yanjusa keleva sakene be kesho di sekirima. So why do you stand there? And why do you sit and wonder why? Why do, you, why do you look at the world and the things around you and even your own life and question? Rise up in the truth. Put your eyes upon the truth and no longer trust what you see with the natural eye. Begin to seek those things which are above. Begin to set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. Don't give your attention to the things that are down here because the things down here are temporary. They're transient. They're always changing. But the things where I am, says the Lord, seated at the right hand of the Father, the things of mine and the things of me and the things that belong to the church never change. They've been established. I've been seated. You've been seated with me. Begin to look, begin to think, begin to talk in line with what I have given you. And the things of this earth will grow dimmer and stranger yet. And your vision and your understanding of heavenly things will grow and will begin to to dominate your thinking. It'll begin to dominate your actions and even the habits and the problems that you have stumbled over in the past. Those things will begin to fall off and fall to the side as you get caught up in the God life. When you get caught up in the divine life, when you get caught up in the spirit life, ruling and reigning with me, The things of this world lose their charm. They lose their attraction. They lose interest. Learn to take your place. Learn to take your seated place. Learn to take your exalted place. Learn to take your enthroned place with me and see how everything here in this realm, in the earthly realm, falls into line and submission to you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, it's true. We rule and reign together with him. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.